brought your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalms 19. Psalms 19. Today in this psalm, it reads, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The line has gone out through all the earth in their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from the ends of heaven and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure and enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteousness altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them there is a great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Father God, we thank you, O God, for your grace, your mercy, and your love. We pray, O God, that you would hide me behind the cross, that they see none of me and all of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you increase as I decrease. Thank you for this gracious moment that you've given to stand behind this sacred desk to proclaim my convictions about Christ. We thank you, O God. We pray, Lord, that you would set a flame on the hearts of your people, O God. We pray, O God, that someone repent, someone receive the free gift of salvation, repent of sin, and acknowledge that you are Lord, that you are the Savior of the world. We ask, O God, God, that you would meet us where we are on our street, on our road, oh God, in our pew, oh God. We pray, oh God, that you'll make us uncomfortable, oh God. We pray, oh God, that you would bless us, oh God, to leave this place better than we came. We need a word from you from on high, Lord. Touch right now. We pray, oh God, that your spirit would do the teaching. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge. Give us understanding. Make your word so clear, so plain, Lord, that someone must come running asking, what must I do to be saved? We thank you, oh God, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you pray with me and for me? Do you know that life is filled with excuses? Well, all have heard stated reasons or heard... All have heard or, or said these statements or came up with reasons for any and everything. And if we be honest, it never really was a good reason that we came up with, but really an excuse. I mean, think about it. Maybe you have heard or used this one uh, 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 a second grade student was asked from his teacher, why do, didn't you do your homework? Looking around with anxiety and guilt, the second grade student looked and gave a profound response. He said, my dog ate it. Maybe we heard or used this one. A son was asked by his parents the other day, why didn't you take out the trash? Looking with a straight faith with no emotions, detected the son gave a well thought out reason and simply said, I forgot. <laughs> Maybe you have used some of the reasons that I gave when I grew up to my mom. 
Why didn't you take out the trash? Why didn't you wash the dishes? Uh, Why didn't you clean your room? I remember telling her what I thought was at the time a convincing reason. I looked her straight in the eyes with a straight face because I knew that the next sequence of events was her taking something out and beating me up my head. (laughs) So I thought about it. I pondered it. I gave the classic reason to avoid that well-deserved whipping. I told her, Mom, I fell asleep. Now, I don't have to tell you what the end results were from my mom. Let's just say I received a hard lesson that changed the course of my destiny. (laughs) I tell you, life is filled with excuses. If you were to ask your co-workers on the job, why are they always so late? You might have heard this reason given. My alarm clock didn't wake me up. I tell you, life is filled with excuses. I found a a few interesting quotes the other day concerning excuses. I mean, the reasons that I would like to share that drives the point home. Here's a good one. For you construction workers. Excuses are the nails used to build a house of failures. Here's another one. Excuses are like elbows. Everyone has a couple that they bend and make fit every situation. And lastly, I thought this one was funny and humorous. Excuses are like armpits. Everyone's got them and they all stink. (laughs) I tell you, life is filled with excuses. You got it. Well, today in our text, today we hopefully the psalmist drives home the point that all although life is Filled with excuses, mankind has no excuse. Think about it. When it comes to creation, when it comes to the commandments, when it comes to Christ, there is no excuse. Help a preacher out now. (laughs) Here in this psalm. We see a clear picture. Our vision of sight hopefully will become clearer. Hopefully the lenses of scripture will make it so plain that what is true for every being, that's true for every man, that's true for every woman, that's true for every boy, that's true for every girl, that's true for every believer, that's true for every non-believer, that's true for every saint, that's true for every ain't. No matter who you are, rich or poor, or in between, there really is no excuse. For those of you taking notes, there are three points that I want to use as a litmus test in order to give us all the accurate results needed to prove that really we have no excuses to stand on nor lean on for comfort. The reality of the matter is, although people convince themselves and give reasons for all sorts of things in life, if we are, we're truly honest, although life is filled with excuses, there really is no excuse. Point number one, creation reveals, found in lines one through six. Point number two, commandment reveals, found 7 through 11. And lastly, thirdly, Christ reveals, found in lines 12 through 14. If you take a note, please take a picture of that. That's where we're going to go down that path. Point number one, creation reveals, found in lines 1 through 
6. Notice, you still got your Bibles open, right? Amen. Notice that it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Creation reveals that we as humans have no excuse. The heavens declare it. It shouts it. It testifies as a witness in a courtroom that God exists. In creation, we see the handiwork or the finger of God at work. Now, when we talk about the finger of God or his handiwork, this is anthropomorphism. Big word. Let me break it down. This is a theological term that comes from two Greek words, anthropomorphos, meaning man, or morphe, meaning form. It's the idea of referring to God in human characteristics. It's a way to describe the infinite to the finite. It's a way to describe the eternal to the temporal. It's a way to describe the heavenly to the earthly. In other words, the Bible uses descriptions or illustrations or picture words for us humans so that we can understand on our level what God has done and what he is like. Let me illustrate the point. I'm in the Bible. In Numbers chapter 6, you might want to write this down. Numbers chapter 6 verse 25, it says that, God stretched out his hands against Egypt. That's anthropomorphic. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 12, it says that God cares so much for the land that his eyes are always upon it. That's anthropomorphic. And lastly, in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1, it says that the heaven is God's throne and the earth is his footstool. That's anthropomorphic. The point that I'm trying to make is that man has no excuse when it comes to what God, what creation reveals. I tell you, if you haven't gotten it yet, we... We as those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, for those of us who have repented of sin and received the free gift of salvation, for those of us who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, I stop by here to tell you that we serve a mighty God and we really don't have any excuse. The Bible speaks of God's omnipotence. God's omniscience, God's omnipresence. God is all powerful, all knowing and everywhere present at the same time. And he is still God. Notice that the scripture says the heavens, meaning that there is more than one that shows the glory of God. We know just from scriptures that there are three heavens. I'm in the Bible. I'm in Bible country. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, you better look it up. Don't trust man. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, Paul writes about the, his experience about the third heaven. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Another scripture reference also speaks of more than one heaven is found when speaking about Jesus Christ and how he came to the earth. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, plural, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And it goes on to say in verse 15 and 16 for some further encouragement. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I don't know about y'all, but I'm weak. I need grace. I need grace every day. I don't need state. I don't need uh, day old donuts. I don't need day old grace. I need it every day. Fresh. Whether the old or the new Testament in scripture, it tells us that God has made more than one heaven. The last scripture reference is found in the book of the Bible that you should know. It's the book of Genesis. If you don't read your Bible, you should know where that book is. In Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says, listen to the first declaration of the scriptures. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. So we can clearly and safely defend the fact that God created multiple heavens, three to be exact, and God has created only one earth to be exact. The heavens can be broken down into three places of reference. Our first reference speaks of the atmosphere where the birds fly would be considered the first heaven. The outer space or the celestial realm where the sun, moon and the stars resides would be the second heaven. And lastly, the home of God or the terrestrial realm where the angels cry out, holy, holy is the Lord, is the third and final heaven. Notice line one of this psalm, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. This psalm shows us from the heavens which are on display for all those who can see points to a divine architect. We believe in a creationalist view here at Calvary that God is responsible for all creation. If you look at most of today's churches or so-called Christians, they are leaving the fundamentalist uh, creationist view from their doctrine. And they are accepting an evolutionist, evolutionist view concerning creation. You see it, they're compromising the gospel. Well, we're not going to compromise the gospel. We believe that God created everything out of ex nihilo. He created something out of nothing. We're going to Bible college today. Amen. He he created, I ain't never been to Bible college, but a little bit. He he created (laughs) something out of nothing. God spoke it and it came into being. This is one of the greatest miracles of God aside from the greatest miracle of all ages and all time. You do know what that is. That Jesus died, was buried, and he rose from the dead. That's the greatest miracle. We serve a living Savior. I got to slip that in because... Jesus, if you look at Matthew, I believe chapter 11, he went around preaching and teaching. I got to get my preach on today. Amen. (laughs) This is fundamental to the Christian faith. It's interesting that some so-called Christians, oh, I might be on your row in your seat. Some so-called Christians of the faith who call themselves Christians are theistic evolutionists. Ooh, that even sound messed up. (laughs) Meaning... That they believe that God acts and creates through the laws of nature. Mm. Let that marinate. They literally believe that God needed help in the creation process to bring things into being. What? You tripping. 
These take, you know, these theistic evolutionists, they take some scriptures literal while rejecting others as not literal. I mean, well, for those naysayers who don't believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God and that the Bible is inerrant, meaning without error, for those who don't believe in a creationist view of the Bible, that God created it in literal six days, I would challenge them from the words of Jesus. Found in Mark chapter 10, verse 6, it gives us a sneak peek what Jesus thinks about the subject. When asked about divorce from some Pharisees, Jesus said, but from the beginning of creation, he's referencing Genesis, God made them male and female. Everybody say male and female. Don't get caught up in that transgender. We got to make sure we know it's male and females. I like this because this debunks transgenderism. This debunks revolutionists. It debunks those who don't take the Bible literal. So as we can see, Jesus stands on the issue about divorce, but we also see his view on creation. Jesus doesn't tell us anywhere in Mark is not written down that he used evolution. God used evolution in order to create male and female. Y'all see that in your Bible? I don't see that in my Bible. We see clearly that God has made an, uh, an, a, a full adult, thank you, Pastor uh, Darrell, a full adult biological male. That's why you need to come to uh, Wednesday night Bible study. You get nuggets. He made a full adult biological female. I'm stealing from him. From the beginning. I mean, when God created male and female, they weren't little people on the earth. Like, you know, they wasn't. No, no, they was fully grown. Male and female. I'm like those old preachers, you know, uh, I made up my mind a long time ago. And maybe you, maybe you fit this too. If Jesus said it, I believe it. And that settles it. (laughs) I don't understand how anyone can believe in the virgin birth. You know, some of these Catholic believers, but. They can't believe that God spoke the world into existence without an evolutionist help. Don't make don't make no sense. You believe in a virgin birth, but you can't believe you believe that Israel crossed the Red Sea. But you can't believe that God spoke the world into existence with the word of God. Don't make no sense. You tripping. God didn't need no help with evolution, no Big Bang Theory. Notice the speech that is used in lines two through six. You got your Bible still open, right? Amen. We still in. All right. It says day unto day, utter speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, no language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and the words and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Day unto day, night unto night. There is no speech nor language where their voices is not heard. According to the Linguistic Society of America in a 2009 study, there were at that time at least 6,909 languages. It was 6,900 And nine languages across the world. I like God's word because no matter what the language you speak, no matter what time it is in the day, day or night, creation speaks loudly and clearly and even silently for all 
to hear. The heavens literally declare they preach a sermon, the glory of God. This is what I call the original sign language. Let me demonstrate. This is God's original sign language for the deaf, dumb, and the blind, and for all who can, who have all the activities of their limbs without disability. I tell you, God is awesome. The sun is a sign. The moon is a sign. The stars are a sign. All those celestial beings that God has created from his spoken word is a sign. I tell you, God is worthy of all the glory. I tell you, man is without excuse. Look at lines four through six, if you will. You still got your Bibles open, hopefully. It's a Bible-believing, teaching church. We go through the Bible. Do not close your Bible. Amen. If you didn't bring no Bible, I'm going conv- to rebuke you today. Bring your Bible to church. Everybody say, let the church say, it. amen. Bring your church. Bring your Bible. You brought your shorts. You brought your shoes. You brought your sandals. You brought your attitude. You, I'm sorry. You brought yourself to church. Bring your Bible. Amen. All right. Lines four through six. Here we go. The line has gone out through all the earth and the words to the ends of the world. And then he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his changer and rejoice like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, its circus to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. It says that the line is going out through all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. The heavens is a tent or a tabernacle. You know, anybody been camping before? Well, heavens is a tent for the sun. It's a tabernacle. You know, it's the tabernacle, the heaven, the, the expanse, the solar system is the tent in which God has placed the sun. Amen. And the Bible compares the sun when it rises up in the morning like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber that rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Now, let me demonstrate my point. It's rising is from one end of heaven and its circuits to the other end. There is nothing hid from its heat. Notice the descriptions of the sun here. I like this because God makes the heaven to shine for all I mean, the sun to shine for all to see. You know, like when it compares it to a bridegroom that comes out in the morning, it's a bridegroom comes out in the morning who is joyously awaiting the ceremony to be married. I hope when you got married, you wasn't frowning. (laughs) Well, the sun is joyous. When it comes out in the morning, when it rises, it's like it's like a it's like the bridegroom that's coming to the wedding party. Then it compares the sun like a strong man that runs a race. I tell you, the sun shines brighter than a diamond. Its rays run faster than Usain Bolt. In the 100-yard dash. I mean, light that moves at 186,000 miles per second. I mean, light that travels 671 million miles per hour. I mean, light that takes 13 seconds to complete one full trip around the earth. I tell you, creation has spoke loud and clear. So even if you can't see or even if you can't feel, but you can feel, right? You can feel the summer heat. That the rays that the sun gives off in Arizona. How many felt them rays this morning? (laughs) I tell you, creation 
reveals the glory of God. I tell you, we have no excuse. Which leads me to my second point. Commandments reveal. Look at line 7 through 11. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them... Your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. Some of you might be asking, why does he keep saying lines instead of verses? Well, in the Psalms, which are comprised of poems and songs only, um, If you ask any musician or composer or producer when writing uh, words to a song, the words of a song are called lyrics or lines. Well, in the Psalms, there, there are stanzas, which is a group of lines in a poem. The Psalms here, this book of Psalms, is considered Hebrew poetry. As a fact of a matter, there are five divisions of the Old Testament. For you junior highers and high school, you guys know, or you better know, all the divisions of the Old Testament. For those who don't know, we're going to give them to you today. The first uh, division of the Old Testament is law. The second is history. The, second, the third is poetry. The fourth is major prophets. And the fifth is minor prophets. Can I get all the junior highs to say amen? All right. In these divisions, really, it's, you know, the number system actually helps you too. Because in the, the first five, uh, the, in, the, in the division of law, there's, there's five books of law. You know, there's, two, there's really two numbers you can remember or help you to remember in Old Testament to remember these divisions and how they're broken down. The numbers 5 and 12 is the only two numbers you need to really know. The book of law has five books. The book of history, since there's 12 tribes of Israel, guess how many books they have? 12. The book of poetry are five. The, big, the books of minor, major prophets are five. And then the last books of minor prophet are 12. So it, it starts with 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. Just a matter of fact. Just food for thought. So let's look at lines 7 through 11. Here we see the commandment or the word of God reveals to us the glory of God by the written word of God. There are six words that describe the word of God. What it is and how we are to Respond to it. We see in lines 7 through 11, the word law, the word testimony, the word statutes, the word commandments, the word fear, and the word judgment. These words require accountability and they also require action. Let me say it one more time. These six words require accountability And these words require action. All six of these reveal an eternal truth used to draw man to the Lord. These truths speak so loud to mankind, leaving room for no excuse. Oh, yeah, all right, all right, we're going to go down. I tell you, the word works. The law of the Lord is perfect, meaning every scripture is perfect. Meaning all scriptures is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof. That means rebuke for wrong behavior. And it's profitable for correction. That means the, the way to live godly. 
and for training in righteousness. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, LSB version, Legacy Standard Version. The word law here speaks of teaching. The word of God reveals to us that it has the power to convert the soul. I'm glad about that because it was the word of God that converted me. The word of God, let me convince you. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Hold your place in Psalms. We're going to turn back there. Romans chapter 10. Put a finger, put a bookmark in Psalms. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Listen to this. It says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord might be saved. Nope. Shall be saved. That was an open book test. Some of y'all failed it. (laughs) Shall be saved. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Turn back in Psalms. We need the, see, creation, the world reveals the glory of God, does it not? But the word of God reveals the glory of God. We need the word of God heard in order to inspire, in order to ignite, in order to reveal the eternal truth of who God is. I don't care what church you go to, what membership you have. We need the word of God taught in our churches. We don't need somebody's opinion. We don't need somebody what they think. We need to hear what thus saith the Lord. I tell you, the word speaks. I tell you, we cannot hear the gospel of Jesus Christ without hearing the word of God. In order for your life to be life-changing, in order for your life to take a different course than it is, some of you drink, some of you smoke cigarettes that are Christian, you need to repent. Why? Because there is no excuse. Let's look at the second word in the text. The testimony of, look at what it says in line seven. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Meaning God's word is firm, it's certain, and we can rely on it. God's word is faithful. If you lack wisdom, you will gain some irregardless of your age or Gender. How do you know that preacher? In James chapter 1 verse 5 it says, If any lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, some of you young folk, the Bible says, let no man despise your youth. When Paul was writing to Timothy, young man in the faith, young preacher, he, he, he said, don't let no man despise your youth. Why? Because Wisdom from God, godly wisdom and insight is not dependent on how old you are. Did you know there's, we got some old, old fools around here? <laughs> how do you know? The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Ouch. Don't be a fool today. Accept Christ today. Look at line eight. It says the, the word statute. Of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The precepts of the word of God is the righteousness that man needs. It's the antidote for humanity's sickness. It is the prescribed medicine in order to be healed. 
Let me paint it this way. In Isaiah 53 and 5, it says, gives us the antidote for sin. Speaking about Jesus, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisements for our, of our, for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. You see that typo? That's why you need to read your Bible. I left the word peace out there. Left the E out. You see it there? Amen. That's why we read our Bibles. So we can rejoice in the word of God. I tell you God's word, it works. Now let's look at the fourth word in the text. That represents the word of God. It says the commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. Notice the pureness of the word of God. It's without mixture, no error. God's commandments are clean, free from fault. And that's why it enlightens the eyes because our vision is clearer and brighter when we read the word of God. Our vision is the opposite. When we don't read, when we don't study, when we don't trust, when we don't crack open the book, our vision is clouded. As a matter of fact, the word of God reveals to the unveiling of those who are lost. It takes away the scales of sin and blindness and darkness in order for us to see what God wants us to see and to see who God is. We need the word of God. We don't need to look no further, not to no Ouija boards, not to no soothsayers, not to Dr. Phil, not to the president, not to anyone. Look to the word of God. Fifth word, it says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. We all need to, this speaks up, we all need that terrifying reverence of our respect because God is not to be played with. The word speaks of having that healthy reverence that is due to a holy God. Man needs to learn to have the proper fear or reverence to God and his word. The word of God reveals to us the proper reverence we need to have. Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is, holy one is understanding. If you want to get to know God. You want the wisdom of God? You want to understand God? You want to you know who he is? Crack open the book. We need a healthy fear that freely gives God glory and worship that he deserves. This word fears really points to worship. It only comes from the word of God. When we fear God and his word... It is enduring forever because it does not decay. It's clean. You see, filth brings decay, but God's word is clean. It has cleansing power. Some, you know, as a matter of fact, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You do know Jesus is the word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I tell you, the word works. Psalms 24, 3 and 4 says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. If you don't know Jesus, that means you are an idol worshiper. Last time I checked, when Jesus redeemed me and saved me, guess what? He took me, I, he took me off the throne and he was placed on the throne. If we're not serving God today, if we're not 
worshiping God, we're not reading our Bible, we're not studying God's word. If we're not leaning and depending on God, guess what? We are guilty. Let's look at the sixth word that describes the word of God. It says, you still got your Bibles open? It says in line nine, eight, excuse me, nine. It says the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. We can take comfort in the fact that the word of God is true. The truth that we need. Men may lie to us, but God is not a man that he should not, that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should repent. He has said it and he will not and will he not do it. He has spoken it and will he not establish it. God's word has revealed that God is faithful. We can trust him. I don't know about you, but I have lied before. I don't know about you, but I have broken promises before. But God is faithful. God's judgments. It speaks of God's government. It speaks of his rulership. It points to God's justice. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 20. It's going to prove my point. Hold your place in Psalms. We're going back. We ain't done yet. Amen. Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 through 15. That's why you need to bring your Bible. Amen. I'm speaking the truth in love. I mean it lovingly. Bring your Bible. Amen. All right, here we go. Bring your Bible. Make sure you got it. All right, verse 11. It says, Then I saw a great throne, and him who sat on it, in whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, this means young and old, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened. Notice it didn't have an S. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his work. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone who's anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Mm. We see here back in in Psalms, we see here in Revelation a glimpse into the eternal courtroom of God. We know it's a courtroom because the book and the books were open. I remember when I got a ticket, I was praying to God that the judge wouldn't throw the book at me. And he didn't. I tell you, if we do not receive, if we do not adhere to this book, there's coming a day when every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's not going to be voluntarily. You're going to do it whether you want to do it or not. But guess what? Because you have not repented of sin and received the free gift of salvation. Guess where you're going? To eternal darkness where there's be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God wills that none perish. But that all men be saved and repent. I tell you, the book, the word of God, it speaks of God's judgment. The gavel has yet to be passed. You do know when Jesus showed up, he came as savior. But when he comes back, he's coming back as conquering king and judge. How do you notice his eyes is a flame of fire? God does not play. Some of us are playing church. Some of us are playing with the Lord. How do I know this? So because we're not reading our Bibles. We're not reading and applying our Bibles. Amen. If the shoe fits, wear it. If the sandals slip on, put it on. What I'm saying is we need to stop playing with God. 
There is no excuse. Look at lines uh, 10 through 12. It says, more to be desired. They then go, yes, then much fine gold. That's pure gold right there. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. The word of God is better than fine gold. It's a it's figured a picture that the word of God is gracious and pleasant. It's sweet like the honeycomb. When you have received bad news from the doctor about cancer, we don't need gold. We don't need silver. We don't need money. We need the word of God. No amount of life's pleasures can satisfy us like the word of God. Only the sweet and pleasant word of God can satisfy the soul. What profit a man if he gains the whole world but lose his soul? That's a picture of no matter what the, the, the prestige and the perversion and the women and, and whatever you can think of to have that this life can give to you, if you put it on a scale, that's pretty heavy. But what God does, he takes your soul and he, and he weighs it in the balance. Do you know what outweighs all that junk? A man's soul. So that's why the word of God said, what profit a man? He gains the whole world, but loses his soul. You do know this world is temporal. We're passing through. But eternity is forever. Don't play with God. If you don't know God, this is the perfect opportunity to get to know him to receive him repent of sin today receive the free gift of salvation Jesus Jesus was buried he died and he rose from the dead the Bible says for God so loved the world you know he loves you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life I don't know about you I want everlasting life you can have it for by grace you're, we're saved through faith. It's a gift of God. Lest any should boast. How do you get faith? I'm glad you asked, preacher. I just told you. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. Receive the word. As a matter of fact, the word works. It's worked in my life. I remember I was addicted to pornography. I remember I was addicted to lying and, and I had anger issues. Guess what? The word of God helped me out. The word of God restored me. The word of God strengthened me. The word of God has been a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I no longer have desires to live by the flesh. Walk in the spirit and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You say, how you do that, preacher? I'm glad you asked. Every day in the word. Every day on my knees. Every day as I'm driving, I'm praying. Every day, just need a closer walk with Jesus. Every day, we're making strides. Every day, the Holy Spirit is stirring in our hearts, drawing us to the Lord. But some of us are ignoring the signs. How do you know that, so preacher? The Bible says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. If this is the first time you read the Bible this morning, shame on you. Start reading the Bible early in the morning. Even if God wakes you up at 3 in the morning, men know what I'm talking about. I prayed, the, I prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, I want to be devoted to you. I said, Lord, I want to get to know you better. You know what God did? He answered my prayer before I went to Israel. He's been waking me up through the Holy Spirit every day at about three in the morning. You know why? Because I'm without excuse. Some of you guys need to pray that prayer that God sanctify my heart and mind that I may be more like Jesus. But be careful 
step up to the plate, the word of God is, will, will, will call you to the carpet, so to speak. So you, you got to be accountable to the word and you got to display some actions. You know, actions do speak louder than word. I mean, tell your wife that you love her and you still cuss her out. That ain't love. I mean, tell your parents that you're going to take out the trash and you're still playing video games. That ain't love. I mean, tell God that you love them. Jesus says, these people's lips are near me, but their heart is far from me. How do we get that? At? How do we get there? We get there because we don't have a devotion and a love for the word of God. Point number three. But before I jump there. Yeah, point number three. It says Christ reveals, line 12 through 14. It says, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep your servant away from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. I shall be innocent of Great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy, your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Notice the prayer of this psalmist. He prays. See, this is the part that Christ reveals the glory of God. You say, well, what you, how do you see that in there, preacher? It's in there. Let me walk the text. Notice the prayer of the psalmist. He said, keep me from presumptuous sins. And let them have no dominion over me. You do know when you blood bought by the blood of the lamb, sin has no more dominion over you. Thanks be to God that he delivers us, us from the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and the persuasion of sin. We're without excuse. You can't be talking about the devil made me do it. Stop lusting, turn your head, run out the building like Joseph, flee from youthful lust, cut off your phone, stop watching TV, push the pie away. Guess what? Walk in the spirit. We're without excuse. Sin has no more, no longer have dominion over because we're new creations, creatures in Christ Jesus. The old has passed, the, behold the new. He says... If we do this, we'll be blameless and innocent of great transgression. I like that because notice it says, keep your servant from presumptuous sins, plural. You guys see that, right? That's our everyday life. But then it says, and I shall be innocent of great transgression, singular. What is that pointing to? It's only pointing to one thing. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no forgiveness of sin. In order to receive eternal life, you got to plunge, jump in the blood pool that Jesus has for you because his blood will cover your sins. But if you show up on judgment day, you ain't got the blood covered. The gavel will be thrown down and you will be cast into the lake of fire. Where the worms neither die. You know, some of you may not notice, um, and Pastor Jim has asked me to come on staff at, and, and as you know, a salary p- pastor, but God placed on my heart uh, not to do so. I'm a, I'm a lineman by trade. I've been in the trade for 25 years, climbing poles, doing high voltage. People say, man, why would you ever want to climb uh, pose and be that high. I go, man, I'm closer to heaven. <laughs> I t- but, you know, while I'm up there, not when I fall. But the point is, I'm trying to make is, is that God has, has blessed me uh, to run that lane, you know. Um, um, and, and as a matter of fact, none of us in here are without excuse, you know. And I like that because God, it dawned on me, we have some pastors on salary. That's biblical, right? And then we have some that are, aren't on salary, and that's biblical. 
That's a great picture because some of you men in here, amen, underline this. Some of you men in here don't serve a lick of nothing in the ministry. You say, I work. If you ain't retired, we all work. We are all without excuse. Not only the men, the ladies. Talking about you can't serve in the youth building and over here. You've been here six months. You better put your name somewhere. Volunteer in the name of Jesus because he volunteered on Calvary. You know, when I was going through my apprenticeship, I, this old lineman, he, he told me, he said, uh, he, he said, Tony, you know, it's not how you mess up, it's how you recover. And I messed up a lot learning as an apprentice. I mean, I blew up stuff. I mean, I, I mean, I blew up clients. I mean, anybody know anything about electricity? It's been time I had a dumb moment and I forgot the service was hot. And they said, man, Tony, that's a buy. You got to buy, you know, every time you messed up, you got to buy lunch. You got to make breakfast. So I tried not to mess up. But I thought about that. You know, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Meaning we have all messed up. If you have not received Jesus Christ, you cannot recover up. If you have not received Jesus Christ, all of your mess ups will be poured out on you on judgment day. But thanks be to God. He has provided a way of escape from his wrath. You say, how do you know that, preacher? Let me give you the ABCs of witnessing. Some of you guys already know it. The first A is we must acknowledge that we are a sinner. In Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it say y'all, it said all, right? So that's all of us in here from pulpit down to the pew. And then it says, so we must acknowledge that we are a sinner. That's the, that's the A. You know, we, we in class, right? This is class. B is believe in Jesus. You might want to write that down. Believe in Jesus. Believe what about Jesus? Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his love, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? Break that down. God demonstrated his love, and while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. How many of you, with a show of hands, would die for a rapist? Come on, raise your hand. That's what I thought. How many of you would die for a pedophile? How many of you would die if somebody came in and slapped your wife across the face? I tell you, Jesus, he took our place. He died while we were yet enemies, being sinners, rebellious, didn't want to have nothing to do with God. Jesus, he died. Then what else do we believe about Jesus? I'm glad you asked. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You mean to tell me that all we got to do is believe that Jesus is the gift? Yes. The wages of sin, the payment for sin is death. What kind of death is that? That's eternal death. Eternal death. How you know? Because it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift contrast of life is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Life and death in that context of that scripture is talking about eternity. Believe that Jesus is the gift. Now, C, I gave you the A, gave you the B. Here go to C. So A is the knowledge you're a sinner. B is believe in Jesus. C is confess Jesus is Lord. Write it down. Think about it. Ponder it. Here we go. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Have you confessed Jesus as Lord? You know, you cannot confess Jesus Savior without confessing him as Lord first. You say, how do you know that preacher? He has to rule and reign over our lives. 
going to wrap up. It's really shouting. I'm almost done. Look at what it says in the last line. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be accepted on your sight. O Lord, my strength and redeemer. It's really shouting right there. Jesus is our redeemer. He is the one that, that paid the price on Calvary's cross that we may receive eternal life. Today, if you don't know Jesus, today, if you haven't been reading the Bible, today, if you, come, you came up with any excuse, we are without excuse. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for creation that show your glory. We thank you that your commandments show your glory. We, we thank you that Christ show your glory. Your glory was bottled up in his flesh. We beheld his glory as the only begotten son, full of grace and truth. Lord, touch us now to be more like Jesus. Help us to be hearers and doers of your word. For we are all without excuse. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.